You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back, I hope to make her a regular because she does such great work. She's got another piece out in Elections Daily, another one of these great historical perspective pieces. Uh, Sarah Stuck, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're always welcome. I love this stuff. Um, I love history. I love politics. You combine them and give us some perspective. Uh, this time you're writing in elections-daily.com, a history of presidential approval ratings. I think this is a great thing to have perspective on because in the news media, especially in America, they're always throwing approval ratings at us about everything, but they're never in context. So People don't really understand is like, well, what's it mean if it's 43 instead of 45 or, or minor changes? What got you onto presidential approval ratings is something to dig into historically. Well, I, I, didn't think, I think it, I'm sure it just mentioned about Joe Biden's approval on the news. And I thought, hmm, that'll be an interesting piece to write on. So I went for it. You did. One thing you started with FDR all the way through uh, modern day with President Biden, as we mentioned, uh, that's almost 80 years of history. I was kind of struck. There seemed to be a lot of trends and a lot of similarities across very, very different presidencies here. Yeah, there's certainly a lot. You know, you've got presidents who are wildly popular today who didn't have the best approval ratings and you have vice versa. If you look at, you know, Clinton, sometimes he had quite low ratings, yet he's seen as one of the better modern presidents. And George W. Bush, he was you know, sort of quite the opposite. But after 9-11, his approval ratings were highest we've seen out of any of the men who were ever polled upon. It's amazing because, too, is the approval ratings don't necessarily seem to align with their political fortunes either, do they? There seems to be sometimes a disconnect there. Well, yeah, you've got to look at it sort of in hindsight. With FDR, 
with hunting with everybody. You know, you could have a president who was wildly popular at the time. I know it's a little bit early, but, you know, Warren G. Harding was extremely popular. But in hindsight, when we know about Teapot Dome and his other scandals, it makes him less impressive. Then, you know, if you're not there during the time, the president can be doing great, phenomenal things, but people at the time might not approve, you know, civil rights legislation, people at the time might not have approved, but today we realise how good a thing that was. Yeah, Sarah Stook joining us, uh, writing in Elections Daily. Uh, let's just start with FDR because uh, we had to sit through what I think is nonsense. They tried to compare uh, Biden's agenda to FDR. But one of the reasons I thought that was nonsense and just a bunch of noise was not only his approval rating, he had like two thirds majorities in Congress. He had total control of the United States government. Also, of course, World War II is a little bit different circumstances where the government took over large portions of the country. So we'll factor that in. His lowest approval rating was only like 48%, and that's an approval rating our current president would just be over the moon to even reach right at the moment. Exactly. You know, historians are a little bit more touchy on FDR, especially, you know, conservative historians who don't like government overreach. But when you're in a Great Depression, when you've got a war killing millions of people, I think people are a little more receptive to the president. They can say, okay, we'll, we'll let it slide because it's unusual circumstances. If we'd been a peacetime president with the booming economy, you know, I think it would have been different. I think he was just incredibly lucky to come at a time where his big government agenda was seen as acceptable. Yeah, and of course, we have hindsight that some folks back then didn't have. Of course, the media was very different. So we know about things like Japanese internment. We know about some of the darker stuff that involved FDR. But his approval rating, pretty steady, uh, highest of 84 and the lowest of 48 percent. And that's in line with where historians rank him as whether you call him the best or not, certainly one of the most impactful presidencies of the modern era. Yeah, he's definitely probably historians usually rate him top three along with Washington and Lincoln. Uh, let's talk about let's just work backwards here. Let's talk about his uh, successor, uh, Harry S. Truman. Uh, Truman almost seems to get lost in the shuffle when we talk about presidencies, but a lot of important stuff happened uh, in the late 40s, early 50s during his reign. He was president from 45 to 53. Uh, a lot of people just jumped straight to Ike and hit, and then, of course, JFK. A lot of important stuff happened under Truman. How is his approval ratings when he was actually present, though? How did the people see him? Well, initially, I think there was a lot of goodwill because, you know, he's coming off the back of FDR, who'd been president for as long as most Americans could remember. But when he started, you know, mishandling Korea and other aspects, when the economy still wasn't, you know, going the way it was, parallel to today, you know, like you said, he's kind of forgotten after, um, in favour of Ike. But back then, I think people probably would have been the same. He was a placeholder president. He won one election in his own stead. He only got in because FDR had the misfortune of dying, yeah. which is what every vice president wants, either the Senate to stop working or the president's heart. Uh, Truman did something, though, that in hindsight would be very, very modern. He he got into a media fight with a really popular figure. You know, today this would be on Twitter and network news, but back then it was newspapers and radio, of course. His firing of MacArthur was kind of one of the turning points of his presidency. MacArthur, of course, the World War II hero, wildly popular. Um, this would be a very modern problem. He picked a media fight and it hurt him in his approval ratings. Yeah, it definitely feels like something maybe Trump would do. But yeah, yeah, with hindsight, you know, historians say it was a good idea. But 
That's why his approval rating was so low when he left office. He could have run for another term, but he decided it's not worth the risk. He wasn't going to win. So he didn't put up a fight. He didn't bother. But when you are the president versus a war hero, war heroes tend to come out on top because they're nonpartisan and they win wars. What more can you really go for with that? Yeah. Now, to be fair to Truman, uh, he fired him because MacArthur wanted to nuke China. So let's just you know, yeah. let's be fair and factor yeah. that in, in. hindsight, course, thinking, yeah, yeah, probably not the best idea in the world. Sure. And and there there is some folks that probably in hindsight wish he would have done that. But let's not go down <laughs> that rabbit hole uh, talking to Sarah Stuck. Uh, let's just go to Ike then. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, hero of World War Two often thought very fondly as a very moderate president, a stabilizing president. But there was a lot of stuff that happened historically, but none of it seemed to really affect his approval rating one way or the other. He stayed immensely popular all the way through his presidency and to the end of his life. He was a historian sort of remember him, whether fondly or not, as a do-nothing president, which isn't necessarily true. He did things, but his eight years were very more relaxed. The economy was booming. I mean, yeah, Vietnam was starting to happen, but it wouldn't really properly kick off until Kennedy. So he was lucky. He took advantage of the post-war boom and he ran with it. You know, being a hero of World War II, that will get, take you to places. That hence why both parties courted him to run for president after the war, and he eventually chose the Republicans. He could have chosen the Democrats and still been as successful. And I think presidents back then they didn't. I think people didn't mind if they were a bit more hands off. Whereas nowadays, I think it's the opposite. If a president is too hands off, then people don't like it. Something for the modern age that people don't know about Ike is uh, the polio crisis uh, reached its apex under his presidency. They actually, something for our modern time, talking about vaccines and stuff, they actually screwed up the polio vaccine. They put the live virus in. People actually died. Children died because of this. And he had to go on the radio and this fledgling thing called TV and calm the country down. When you're talking about approval ratings, those things really matter in big historical moments like that, something that's now almost completely forgotten. But can you imagine today if we had put out a coronavirus virus with a live virus in it, would the president be able to just calm the country down like that? Well, Eisenhower was lucky that he didn't have a lot of television or social media, which is, I think, that factors in approval ratings a lot. Like you said about FDR, things were different. People didn't know about his, you know, his disability, for example. All the murky stuff was hidden away. Now it's what's and all, which I think definitely impacts how people see presidents because there's so much exposure in a way that we probably didn't have back then. Yeah, this is true. Talking to Sarah Stuck. Um, and that brings us to probably the first modern media president. Uh, JFK, of course, famously uh, first television debate. Uh, darling of the media, uh, obviously photogenic, obviously very charismatic. Uh, how did his approval ratings go? We know he was assassinated and that's going to skew it um, in history somewhat. But when he was actually president, how was his approval ratings as kind of the first modern media driven presidency? He had some really high approval ratings, one of the highest averages, because like I said, he was young, he was charismatic, he represented a new generation. Right, to put it in perspective, Eisenhower was born in 1890, JFK was born in 1917, big age gap. Jackie Kennedy born in 1929, I think Eisenhower was 1894 and 96, one or two, so still a big age gap. And he had some really major things happen. Bathe pigs, which failed. We have the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I've read a book about recently, and you don't realise how close it came to nuclear war. Like, we, it, it was lucky, very lucky. And 
Kennedy was high throughout most of it, which isn't well known because he had a lot of ailments and he was, you know, high as a kite during it, which is a bit worrying. But, you know, he was young, charismatic, and then he had a lot of tragedies. His um, son, Patrick, died three days after birth in 1963. And I thought, oh, you know, poor President, poor Mrs. Kennedy having to lose that. He had a lot of reason for people to have sympathy for him. And also the fact, the, the fact that he was a very poorly bloke. I mean, understand a war injury, you can understand what all the illnesses he had, like Addison's disease. It's a reason why the Nixon campaign tried to get hold of his records because that would have screwed his presidential ca- uh, candidacy completely. But he is well regarded by historians today, something I don't believe should be the case. I'm a little more iffy on him, but it, it reflects perfectly his high ratings versus what historians think of him. Yeah, and people don't realize how bad his health was. In fact, the assassination video, the reason he falls so awkwardly in the car and and it looks like he's propped up is because he is. He's wearing that heavy back brace. Uh, He had days he could not walk as president. That was all hidden from the media. So those things all go into approval ratings. Interesting historical stuff with Sarah Stook. We're going to continue going through the presidencies. Her excellent article in elections-daily.com. More on her tell with Sarah Stook right after this. And we're back at Hertel, continuing with Sarah Stook, uh, talking about presidential approval ratings and historical content. All right. A guy that I really find fascinating, uh, Trump before Trump, even though he was a Democrat and Republican, I mean, in mannerisms and the way he conducted himself personally. Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, fiery figure, charismatic figure, big personality and big, big swings in his approval ratings during his presidency, weren't there? Huge swings. You know, he came off the back of JFK, in which everybody felt sympathy for because LBJ always said that he wanted to be president, but not in the circumstances he came to be, unless you believe he was involved in the assassination, which quite a few people, including Bobby Kennedy, did. He started off very popular. He used the goodwill of JFK's assassination to push the Civil Rights Act, which I believe had that not happened, would have pushed it back. It would have still happened, but it would have been a couple of years at the very least. Ending his presidency is one of most unpopular in the memory of all Americans. He could have run for another term and he initially planned to, but and everyone expected him to until he decided and announced that he wasn't going to run. And people did not expect that, even though he was extremely popular. It was just thought an incumbent could run. It was fine. So he went from a hero in the domestic front, you know, expanding welfare, state Medicare, Medicaid, civil rights, to his foreign policy, which was an absolute shambles because we all regard Vietnam today as a huge failure. And he played a big part in pushing it forward which I think also probably hastened the end of his life he did die only a few years after he left the presidency at quite a youngish age and I think if it hadn't been for all that and if he'd been a bit healthier he would have lived longer and I think those approvals they weighed on his mind which you wouldn't expect from such a boisterous figure but I think deep down he really hated the fact that he was disliked Yeah, but he was out of his element as president because, remember, he was a master of the Senate. He was very, very powerful, probably the most powerful politician in the country in the Senate. Um, So when he elevated to the presidency, even though I'm sure he wanted it ambition wise, 
uh, it really wasn't going to his strong suits as a person. And it really, really showed in his approval rating in the end of his presidency, not going well and being one of the few presidents to not run for re-election when he could have. Exactly. You know, like you said, he was a master of politics. He could get bills through like there was no tomorrow. He called it the Johnson treatment because he was very tall. He was six four. He would stand over other politicians who would most likely be shorter than him, glare at him. He knew how to work the Senate. Vice presidency probably took a lot of convincing because nobody wants to be vice president. It's pretty irrelevant unless, you know, the president's heartbeat stops, which luckily for LBJ and not for J- uh, LBJ and unluckily for JFK happened. But I agree, he would have, I think had he not been vice president or president, he would have been remembered a lot more fondly. But unfortunately, he had sort of the mispleasure, which is a very strange thing to say about someone becoming president. Yeah. And of course, his follow up predecessor, uh, talking to Sarah Stook about her excellent article about presidential approval ratings. I love getting this broad perspective on something we hear about almost every day. I think this is healthy. Uh, you got to talk about Nixon, though. Uh, Nixon is, of course, our only president to resign uh, something in your neck of the woods in the UK. That's actually the way most of your leaders and prime ministers exit office. You may be getting ready to do it again, depending on how an inquiry goes next week, like we talked about uh, uh, with our friend Portia uh, earlier last week. But uh, this is very uncommon in the American system. So to have a president and LBJ who passed on running and then you have Nixon who resigned in disgrace over Watergate, um, obviously that would affect his approval ratings greatly. And it was kind of a shock to the presidential system as far as how the office was perceived in American history at that time. Exactly. You know, he was never, people say he was Trump before Trump, but he was a very dour man. He was a family man in a way. I don't think maybe Trump really is. He was very bored. He didn't, he wasn't a showman like Trump was. And I think actually you could compare Trump more to Andrew Jackson, but that's another matter entirely. Yeah. Trump was not a he, Quaker like Nixon, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was a fascinating figure. You know, I think had it not been for Watergate and maybe a few other things, he probably would have been remembered as a great man. He was very good on civil rights. I'm not personally, he was very racist like LBJ was. I'm not going to pretend he was this paragon of virtue, but he was pretty good on Native American rights. He did a lot for the environment, relations with China improved immeasurably, but his hubris got the better of him. He still won that election in 1972, 49 out of 50 states, which is something we will never see again. Absolutely no way could you imagine, say, California voting Republican. Wouldn't happen, nada. But his, his approval rating was still low when he left, but it wasn't as low as one would expect. You'd expect it to be a lot lower than it was, yet people still had high regard for him. It's just that he had to you know, jump before he was pushed because he knew time was running out for him. And he was smart enough to know, you know, if I stay on, it will be humiliation for me, for my family. Um, of course, the guy that had to clean that mess up was Gerald Ford, uh, not remembered as a great president, but respected as uh, a great man individually, a, a man of high character, probably the, exactly the man the country needed in the moment. Uh, and that reflects in his approval ratings, which were quite high, even though, uh, again, he only had the one term. He didn't get elected. Uh, he was defeated in his bid to win the White House on his own. But even in losing again, again, it doesn't match up politically. His approval rating was actually pretty good, all things considered, even though politically he's seen as a failure as a president. He actually 
1976 election, him versus Carter, was actually a lot closer than it should have been. It should have been a landslide for Carter, but it was it was pretty even election. It was just things weren't great economically, and Ford had maybe messed up by pardoning Nixon. But like you said, he was popular. You know, when Spiro Agnew was about to resign, all the Republican leaders said, the only man we will accept as vice president is Gerald Ford, because everybody likes him. He's a good bloke. But it also worked out well. But Joel Ford's unfortunate that his wife had better approval ratings than him. Betty Ford was noticed saying she'd kill to have her approval ratings given to her husband. But like I said, is loved as a man, but a good man doesn't necessarily make a good president, as we've seen with Jimmy Carter and many others. Yeah, and Carter is another one of those. Um, he gets dinged for the economic collapse of the late 70s, even though a lot of that was on things that Nixon had done with things like price control and then the petroleum. Then he had world events that kind of overtook him and he wasn't up to the moment, just to be fair to him. But he's another one. Uh, approval ratings, probably not as bad as people think because of the way they talk about him. He's respected for all his humanitarian work since he left office. So we have another one of these good man, but bad president kind of situations. Exactly. You know, like you said, I mean, you it's no matter if the president before you did it, you're going to get blamed for the current situation. And that's true with every single president. So it's not unique to Carter. I think he meant well. But when you look at the Iranian hostage crisis, for example, and the failure to bring them back, especially when there was a secret mission to do it and several military men were killed, that that messes it up. You know, people don't like seeing Americans in distress and military men killed, as we will maybe talk about a little bit with Biden in Afghanistan. And foreign policy is where a president can swing, uh, sink or swim. LBJ is widely reviled for his foreign policy, whereas it was the saviour of George H.W. Bush. And in domestic policy, he he brought a couple of new um, cabinet uh, positions, education and energy being two. But when you've got a petrol crisis, when people are queuing all day long, then, you know, you're going to get blamed. Yeah, that'll happen. We're talking to Sarah Stokes. She has an excellent piece in elections-daily.com. We're going to take one more quick break and then finish up. We're in the modern era. Reagan, both Bushes, uh, Clinton, and, of course, Trump and Biden. We'll finish up with her right after this. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Going a little long because this uh, presidential approval, a historical perspective. I think it's important because we hear about it all the time. What is it actually going to mean five years, 10 years from now? Uh, this is kind of the big one when you talk about popular presidents. Ronald Reagan, uh, beloved, adored, borderline worshipped on the right. Folks on the left don't see him quite that well. But obviously, one of the more popular presidents won uh, handily both elections, both basically landslides, and his approval ratings uh, look exactly like you would think for a historic figure like Ronald Reagan, don't they? They're not as high as one would expect, but you've also got to imagine he's a popular president and he is rated quite highly by historians. But, you know, people, there are still people who you know don't like him, which is true for any president. But you get a lot of very nasty comments online about him in the way that you, maybe Margaret Thatcher would get the same kind of things in the UK. Um, yeah, he, he was pretty much Teflon Ron, though. He was extremely charismatic, you know, helps by his actor training. He was likeable. He was absolutely devoted to his wife. But even around Contra, he sort of, it's known that he probably maybe knew about it. He didn't approve of it kind of in Nixon Watergate, but it was passed off to people, other people because 
Reagan was a hands-off kind of guy. There is a good chance he maybe didn't know about it. It was Oliver North and all the other people that could be blamed. But yeah, he won 49 out of 50 states and he actually very only lost um, Minnesota by 3,000 votes. So he could have got a 50-50 without DC, which, you know, again, would not happen today. But very impressive. And approval raisins can lie, but at the time that it happened, you know, he was clearly popular. Was it down to Mondale being a sort of bad candidate? Not necessarily. I don't think he was a bad candidate at all. But Reagan was just very good. He was Teflon run, which I think definitely worked in his favour. I still think there are Democrats today that like him, you know, Reagan Democrats. Obviously, the ones really left-wing people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren won't. But I still think there's that respect for him because how can you get 14 out of 50 states without a few Democrats liking you? Yeah. Uh, a figure I find fascinating talking to Sarah Stuck, George H.W. Bush, a one-term president, which is somewhat uh, unusual at the time. Trump has managed to do that now. But it was uh, kind of surprising when Clinton kind of came out of nowhere and beat him. But he had a war. You talk over and over again in this piece that uh, having a war that's successful is really good for your presidential approval rating. He had one of those. But here you go again, had pretty high approval ratings at one point, uh, at the time, record approval ratings at one time, but only became a one term president. And his presidency is kind of seen uh, shaky, if not uh, as incomplete, I would say. Uh, George H.W. Bush and his approval ratings, how does it look historically? Yeah, you look at the goal for it. If there can be such thing as a good war, that was what it was. You know, it was a very clear case of one sovereign nation attacking another sovereign nation of countries. I mean, Saudi Arabia and Israel working close together happened quickly, got the job done, bish, bash, bosh, Kuwait, um, George, national heroine, Kuwait. So that's, you know, a good war. That's popular that's good then he contracting with his domestic policy really my lips no new taxes which made him very popular on the right which is something you don't really want when that is your base and the economy you know he he was a well-off guy he was probably a nice guy he just wasn't really in touch with the common people i've seen it when he was looking at his watch during the famous debate with um ross perot and Bill Clinton, and he couldn't explain how the national deficit had affected him. He was another one where he's sort of ridden on Reagan's coattails a bit, even though the two weren't close at all. And, you know, Bill Clinton, yeah, he came out of nowhere, but I think a lot of Democrats would have beaten him in 1992, sadly or gladly, depending on your political position. Talking to Sarah Stuck, I actually took uh, my two younger children and we actually went through the line at his state funeral in the rotunda. Mm. And I, I will tell you the cross section of America. I, I went to that because I think because he was a World War II veteran, war hero, I think he may be one of the last presidents that is universally respected. Um, oh, and, and we already talked about uh, Clinton. So let's skip ahead a little bit to Barack Obama and Donald Trump, though, because I think you have to take them together. Because of what I just said, you know, you had those universe, you know, even if a president lost, you know, Nixon recovered his reputation to a large degree. Uh, we tend to like to like our presidents. The era of Barack Obama and then Donald Trump with their approval ratings, you can really start to see the partisan divide and the new media, uh, such as social media, take hold in how approval ratings work, don't you? I think yeah, Barack Obama and Donald Trump could cure cancer and people still not like them. They're both polarising for, you know, very different reasons. 
Obama is a strange one because in the UK he's really well respected. People in the UK really like him, and around the world he's really liked because you know he was a positive. He's seen as a positive ambassador for America. He was very polite, had a loving family. He wasn't as divisive as Bush and Trump would later be. But you know, back home, you know, he didn't always do well. You know, he did work work like Bin the Bin Laden. Bin Laden getting finally assassinated was another great foreign policy hit for him. But when you've got Iraq and Afghanistan dragging the way that they were, and you know, Arab Spring, the draining of Libya, it's kind of a it's a funny one. You know, Benghazi, though I suppose that's usually laid more at Hillary Clinton's door. I think he's an odd one because I think people like him and historians usually rate him highly, which I think it's too early to really rate him properly. I think you need maybe another decade out of his office. But yeah, there's polarisation there. But I find him a fascinating case of a mix of adoration and almost revulsion in the same way Trump is. You know, Trump never hit the 50% mark for approval ratings. And I'm not really surprised. He's a divisive figure. Even though personally, I believe he did a lot of good things and a lot of bad things but with his personality like you said he could cure cancer and people still wouldn't like him so I think that's when approval ratings start to get a bit tricky because can you really judge it when people are just saying oh it's Trump he can't do anything right. Sarah Stook joining us talking presidential approval ratings that gets us up to the modern era because we may or may not be done with Donald Trump we'll have to wait and see how that plays out uh, President Biden started out decently high. He was up, uh, you know, around the 60s when he first came into office. Uh, he's flirted with the 30s now. What is the proper way when we see day after day, every couple of months, we get these approval ratings? They're all usually in uh, concert with the political moment. What's the proper historical context now that we went through all these presidents? When we see that graphic on the news, What's the proper perspective to keep that in, do you think, as we go through the Biden administration? Well, you know, there's some things that are always going to be classed as horrific. You know, the Afghanistan withdrawal. There's no good way of looking at it beyond American soldiers getting out of Afghanistan with all the chaos that's happened. Um, I did write an article for another publication because it's a year today since he was inaugurated. So I wrote an article about the one year. But there are some things in perspective. You know, in 10 years, we might praise Biden for how well he handled the COVID crisis. There are things that, Set in the moment, like Watergate, is good or is bad, whatever category you look at. But as time goes by, there are some things that change. I mean, reputations change. George Bush, for example, George Bush Jr., very disliked as a president, even though his approval ratings after 9-11 were astronomical. But apart from the most, a lot of people calling him a war criminal, people like him. He's well-respected. And I think a president's post-presidency can kind of have an impact, especially if you're polling historians later on. I still think there's a subconscious bias about post-presidency. Some maybe not, you know, Ronald Reagan was adult with Alzheimer's, so he couldn't have the wonderful post-presidency in his ambition. But George Bush, Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, who've done amazing things afterwards, have, you know, redeemed themselves in the public eye. 
Sarah Stuck, this is fantastic. I love getting historical perspective on something that we deal with every day and we never stop to get the perspective. So thank you. This article is in elections-daily.com, our friends over there that we use frequently. Uh, let people know what else you got going on. We know you write in the UK Mallard. Uh, let them know your social media where they can follow you and what you have going on, my friend. Uh, my social media is Sarah underscore Stuck. Um, I've just written an article about the one-year anniversary of Joe Biden's inauguration because that is today. Um, I usually do a lot of historical threads. I'm going to do one about inaugurations later. Um, you'll find me talking a lot about Jackie Kennedy because I love her. Um, I'm hoping to do some more American presidential stuff maybe in the coming weeks. I'm not entirely sure what exactly I'm going to do, but hopefully it'll be of interest to everybody. Yep. And when you do let us know, we'll have you on and discuss it because we love talking history and perspective and you do a, a really good job with it. Sarah Stook, great to have you back. Great insight. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you very much. All right. Looking forward to doing it again soon, ma'am. 